Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Helping people understand the big picture, the purpose, the goal, the overarching story will help make the next piece clearer because it's in that context. And I think that's something that leaders and business owners have to do all the time, which is put things in context of purpose and goals. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Daniel Stillman. Daniel is an executive leadership coach and a conversation expert, or as he likes to put it, he designs conversations for a living. Now, Daniel is an author of Good Talk, How to Design Conversations That Matter, and he's also the host of Conversation Factory. It's a podcast. Daniel believes that we are defined by the conversations that we have. There's an entire spectrum of conversations happening among us, and we should try our best to be better at them. In this episode, we talk about how to improve your conversation and get your message across effectively. The importance of adopting an error and repair mindset and why you need to get a coach to help you work on yourself. Effective conversation is such an important topic. I'm sure you're gonna get some nuggets out of listening to Daniel. So let's get started. Hey, Daniel, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I am doing all right. (laughs) <laughs> thanks so much for asking. And thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for being here. I'm really excited about this. We, we are about to get on a topic that is so important. Before I start hitting you with questions, I would love to just know, though, what, tell us what you do. Yeah. I mean, that's always a complex conversation, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it brings up memories of, if anybody is a, uh, a lover of the Office Space movie, what is it you say, you would say you, you do here? Right. And there's always the like, what do you say at a party? You know, you always try to contextualize it. Usually when somebody says, like, hey, what do you do? I'm like, well, what tell me a little bit more about what you do so I can put what I do in context. And that's just because I love reverse interviewing people. Right. And because that question always makes me panic. Right. And that's a way of buying myself time. But usually what I say is I design conversations for a living, and so do you. Most of us are conversation designers in our work and our home lives. And some of us are just doing it more artfully or on purpose. But the conversations I tend to design, I'm an executive leadership coach. So those are conversations I design. I, you know, I, I sit in deep, deep dialogue with, with leaders to help them work through all sorts of conversations that they need to design, like the conversation with themselves, building change in their organizations. And I, uh, other conversations I design include the podcast that I host and a community of folks that I, I support who've come through public workshops that I, that I run on facilitation and conversational leadership. And so those are the, 
in a, in a large nutshell, those are the things I do. But the small nutshell is I design conversations for a living. <laughs> in conversation is such an important topic. So that's yeah. why I'm so excited to go into this. I am a little intimidated. I know. I can tell starting out the conversation, <laughs> I, I may not have gone down the right path in a perfect world. But work with me here. Maybe we'll yeah. use me as a test case. So let's talk about business owners and entrepreneurs because that, that's yeah. our world here. What would you say to a business owner or an entrepreneur that they could be doing to improve their conversation, whether that be with employees or vendors or, or customers. Can you can I kind of start out there and just start this conversation in terms of what they could be doing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. I, there's a lot of ways we can take this, but the first is just to realize that they're having a lot of conversations and to realize that they have a choice about how they can steer them or not steer them. And it's worth asking what's similar about my conversations and what's different about them. I think people usually, when they hear conversation, they usually think of one-on-one conversations, but there's a spectrum of conversations. And people, I feel like, need to realize that somebody I was just interviewing, a wonderful guy, talks about like a spheres of conversation. And so inside of this one-on-one conversation that you and I are having is your thinking, your self-talk, your inner dialogue, and mine, right? This is the classic, like, what I meant to say, what you heard, what I think you heard, right? And so what we ask for, what we're willing to respond to, is all based on the inner conversation. And so it's it's really important for people to realize that one-on-one conversations, there's patterns and structures, but the inner conversation, the self-talk, is what drives all of it. And then when we start adding people, three, four, five, six people, conversations become complex. And so there's things that are similar about all those conversations. And there are things that, you know, that change as we, as we grow conversations in size. But I think for every business leader, the most important thing is to think about their total conversation system, right? What's my range and what am I doing at each one of these set points? So I find that when I talk to a, a business leader that's struggling, it's usually because one of the main conversational sizes is missing. So they're not taking enough time for themselves. Classic, right? They're just not, they're not taking reflective time. They don't have a coach or they do, but they're not doing any work between sessions to like reflect. Uh, They're not doing some sort of reflective practice like meditating or journaling or exercise. So like the self-care and your self-talk is core. And then there's the like, am I maintaining a community of uh, peers, mentors, reverse mentorship. Like, what am I doing at each one of these conversational set points? Am I taking care of myself? Conversation. How much time am I spending in real, worthwhile one-on-one conversations? Which, as you and I both know, is where value is created. Right? It's how we gain clients, build relationships, make sales. Uh, learn new things if you're a, a verbal processor like I am. Meetings, like just the the ability to run an effective meeting, to run a, a more than effective meeting, a creative brainstorm, a powerful workshop, a, a worthwhile program, a whole arc of you know a multi week engagement, and then there's the like the cultivating of their of their large community. So I, I really would ask everyone to just do a conversational inventory. How much time am I spending talking to whom about what? And does it reflect my my real goals? So I have a question for you. You use the word if a business leader was struggling or the phrase I should say. Yeah. Can you kind of define like what struggling mean? Like what's that mean exactly? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, 
It's like pornography, you know, when you see it, right? <laughs> Struggling means, what is it Jay-Z said? He said, when my situation ain't improving, I want to murder everything moving. And I think that's the sense of struggle that I some, I've, I've felt in my career. It's like, I'm not improving as quickly as I'd like to improve. I'm not getting the results I would like to get. I have, as Hamlet said, I could count myself king of infinite space and be bounded in a nutshell were it not that I have bad dreams. And so all of us have dreams. And if we're not getting close enough to our dreams as quickly as we'd like, then that's there can be a sense of struggle. Would you say, though, it's also like frictional? too, with your conversations with people? Is that yeah, well, in the more like specific sense, some of the struggles people might face? Say more about friction. I mean, I think, I think it's a really interesting idea. Yeah, I guess I was a little soft on that. I, you know, just your interaction. You know, I have, for example, sometimes you'll have business leaders that can't retain employees and yeah. there's friction oftentimes in those relationships or interacting with vendors, uh, you know, yeah. maybe getting getting things done timely and their, their knee-jerk reaction is to, I'll give you an example. I had one of my writers uh, today use the wrong name of one of my guests and mm. I didn't catch it. And I was a little embarrassed. The guest said to me, hey, you just posted posted something about me and you used the wrong name. And so, you know, I went back to, you know, I, I missed it. I should have reviewed it and caught it. Went back to my writer and I was very diplomatic about it. But I said, hey, I need your help on double checking this. But here, there's a good case where that could have blown up on me, right? Like I could totally. easily come back to a long-term writer that I very respected and she's helped me a lot on my show notes and probably killed the relationship because I, I reacted off the cuff rather yeah. than thought about where she was coming from. And I think struggle looks like it depends on what you notice. I think usually people notice bottom line stuff or top line stuff. And mm -hmm. people will say like, I'm losing employees or there's so much churn or, or they just notice I'm stressed. They don't necessarily know, oh, it's because I'm not listening enough. And when you talk about one thing, you know, the piece, the advice, like slowing conversations down and listening a little bit more, being a little kind, everyone's fighting a mighty battle. I mean, you could have come in hot and hard. Right. With this, with this writer, and one of the components of the conversation operating system, you know, so in my book, Good Talk, uh, he's he plugged. We're gonna as, get there. Uh, available wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> the conversation operating system, like I was trying to break down the elements of a conversation into clearly defined elements that we could focus our attention on and say, where's the trouble? Where's the friction? And what you did was called error and repair. Like there's always going to be errors and blips in a conversation. And the question is, how do we notice and recognize errors and how do we repair them? One of my favorite examples, uh, my friend Jurian Kammer wrote a book about uh, formula racing cars and how what we can learn about teamwork. Because it's really fascinating. Formula One teams are some of the largest sports teams in the world because it's like literally hundreds and hundreds of people are involved in getting one of these cars around the track. And he shows this amazing video in his talk where there somebody basically didn't tighten one of the bolts properly on one of the wheels. And you can imagine what would hap what happened as they pulled away. The wheel falls off, flies around, amazingly doesn't kill anybody, like could have. And Formula One, this guy, you would think uh, in most jobs, you screw up, you often get fired. You're, right. They're going to have your head. And you basically cost them millions of dollars, all because of one bolt. But what they have is a systemic approach. Their question is, why did that error happen? 
Well, it turned out there was a problem with the thread. It turned out there should have been a, somebody else who double-checked his work. And so having an error and repair mindset of, let me seek first to understand before I j'accuse. Let me first slow down and say, what made this possible? And accept some responsibility for the system, which I helped create, before we go to the the cutting room, right? Or the killing floor, right? And that's that's like, how do we define? I mean, look, uh, somebody was just telling me that Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton went to therapy every day for a year, apparently after the Monica, and, and as Monica Linsky has pointed out, we really should call it the Bill Clinton scandal. Right, she right. really shouldn't get dragged into this every time. It wasn't her scandal. It was his scandal. Right. They went to therapy every day for a year, because she's she's maybe just old school and was like, look, I want to make this marriage work. And there's some people who are like, I want to do everything I can to make this work. So let me see what I can own for this, which is what you did. But you did it in a micro moment, right? I'm sure you were angry. And then you listened to yourself talk and you were like, that's not what I want the world to see first. And so you did something to try and digest or uh, calm that anger. And then you got curious. How did this happen? And I'd like to maintain the relationship. So I'd like to find out what their view of this is. And that's a great conversation. There's two sides to the coin. There's a, a universe in that interaction. How do you, when you're talking written communication versus verbal, what are some things that we should be aware of in those two different forms of dialogue? Because to your point, like it actually was done via message and sometimes via written message, you can come off yeah. a lot more curt than you might even mean to because people totally. are filling that inner dialogue. Yeah, I think this is a really important a important point, Tyler. One of the elements of the conversation operating system is the interface for the conversation, the, the place that holds it. And we all know, it's one of my favorite scenes. Do you remember the first Batman movie? Yeah. Michael Keaton yeah, and yeah. not Michelle Pfeiffer. Who is it? Um, Kim Basinger. They're like having dinner at the Wayne Manor and they're at like that super long table on opposite sides and it's super weird. And we know that that's not a romantic dinner date. That's the wrong interface because you can't have a conversation. And so many businesses I know, and I've had to run workshops for them where they're like, here's the room we're going to use. It's basically the Kim Basinger, uh, Michael Keaton room. And you're like, and we can't all move around. We can't have breakout conversations. We can't like, this is not a space that will facilitate the kind of creative, engaging conversation we want to have. Similarly, text messaging, phone calls, video calls say different things. And this is really, really key to make sure that the interface we pick sends the right message. Now, if you don't have the culture where you say, hey, can we hop on a quick phone call? I have a couple of questions for you. And that's not going to strike fear in their hearts. Then just do that and say like, hey, I thought this would be easier or faster just to suss through. I was noticing these three things and I had a couple of questions to ask. But I think a quick text can be, if you've, if you've developed the trust in the relationship, you can, this is the balance between clarity and simplicity and curtness, right? There's, it's definitely a spectrum. With digital communications, I think it's really important. I don't know if you've ever found, for a while I had this in my email signature. It was called three sentences or five sentences. And you could basically uh, put this in your in your email signature. It was a manifesto for short emails. And it was like three 
sent.es, you know, it was one of those weird uh, URLs. And it was basically like, I'm making this email as short as possible for your sake and mine. And so don't think this is Kurt. I'm just being clear. And who has time to read the great American novel in an email, right? But so just, this is the, this is also the art of invitation, which is another element of the OS canvas to say like, hey, I noticed that this was off and I probably should have looked at it, but can we take a look at the system, right? That's very clear. That's not accusatory. That's pretty generous and invitational. And it it's so important to be direct and clear without, and it's a needle to thread, right? There's no hard and fast rule. You know this. I can't tell you there's been so many times when I've asked my wife to be like, honey, can you read this text? Let me know if I'm coming off square on this one. Right. And that's important to have somebody to to bounce ideas off sometimes if you're just if you're lost. It is. You know, you've used the word clear a lot. Is that a challenge a lot of times when conversation isn't happening smoothly or there are struggles or friction or whatever? Is yeah. it that clarity is not there? Would you say that's the primary thing? Well, I think the way I think of it is like the big arc and the little arc. So when I'm teaching people about workshop design and, and facilitation, leadership, storytelling, you really want to have the big arc, the big story. And then the little story, this one particular meeting, this one particular activity is nested in that larger story. And I think clear requires context. And I think that's something that is often missing is the ability to set context very, very simply. I don't know about you, but like some of us are, you know, we rattle on. There's, it's Everything's a story. So helping people understand the big picture, the purpose, the goal, the overarching story will help make the next piece clearer because it's in that context. And I think that's something that leaders and business owners have to do all the time, which is put things in context of purpose and goals, right? So I'm asking you for this because I need this, right? And so I'm I'm hoping you can help me with blank. The classic story of like your boss opening up their office door and yelling at you, I need a newspaper. <laughs> and you go, okay. And you go grab a newspaper, but you don't know if they need the comics or the stocks or to pick up some dog poop, right? And which kind of paper you pick up will entirely determined by what they really need. And they didn't take the time to say, my dog just pooped and I need a piece of paper. You can use yesterday's paper versus I require the latest insights and financial business, in which case you're going to pick up some blush cream colored paper from the Financial Times, or, you know, I need to see the latest Marmaduke, in which case you're going to get the post, hopefully the Sunday post. It fascinates me, the nuances in conversation, like, it, you know, just the little slightest thing can be a whole different dialogue yeah. in terms of what a person expects or that connection being made. And it comes from care, I think, right? Mm. Care, curiosity, and the willingness to slow down and I think the realization for me of error and repair is the realization of how easy it is to be misunderstood. You know, conversation facts that I always like to remind myself of are the fact that we can speak at 125 words a minute, but we think at at least 4,000, depending on, you know, who you measure, who measures it, which is hard to measure. But that means we can't say everything that we mean to say, right? It's not possible. And we expect a response from someone in about 200 milliseconds after we've stopped. But it takes us 600 milliseconds to combobulate a reply, which means that at the pace that we normally expect conversations to go, we're responding based on where we assume somebody was getting to and or we're making it up as we go along. They're speaking garbage, which is why we say um at the beginning of most of the things we say. (laughs) Try saying, 
that's a great question. Instead of, um, it'll sound so much more intelligent because we need time to think. We expect each other to be like, bam, 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 because it sounds like we're overthinking if we wait more than 200 milliseconds. It's a weird cultural artifact across many, many uh, cultures globally. And just saying, that's a great question. Can I take a second? Nobody would say, wow, no, give me your answer right now. It's it's just simple slowing the conversation down. Unless you're a police officer. Now, a police officer might say, I yeah. think you're trying to buy time to come up with a story. Yes, okay. officer, that's a great question. <laughs> And I have an answer for you. Sorry, Daniel. I had to come out of left field. No, no, it's one great. Time today. No, but I mean, um, but that's like we do that. You're like, I would love to get you my license and registration, officer. That's a great question. <laughs> if you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. And I have an answer for you. Sorry, Daniel. I had to come out of left field. No, at no, least it's one great. Time today. No, but I mean, um, but that's like we do that. You're like, <laughs> I would love to get you my license and registration, officer. That's a great question. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about your book. Good talk. Yeah. Awesome book. Thought provoking. I really enjoyed reading it. Thank you for um, saying that. I appreciate that. And I said, um, by the way. Uh, <laughs> so you speak of operating systems and conversation structure. And yeah. I know you've mentioned it a little bit earlier. Can you talk about more? What? Because I've never really associated like sure. having conversations and having an operating system. And I thought it really got me to think. So could you share that and, and also structure? Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's definitely obviously become us. I don't know. It's like if you go to an art museum with a friend of yours that I, look, I went to design school. When I go to a really great art museum, I can still struggle. But when I go with a friend of mine who really understands and appreciates art, I just see more stuff. I see more deeply. And I think with conversations, there's a lot of layers to peel back. The more you look, the more you notice. And we are all built similarly, but we're also built differently. We all make different choices. And one of the examples in the book that I love to, to cite is my friend Darcy who is, you talk about threading in a conversation, in any moment in the conversation, in any conversation, there are a million directions you could take the conversation, right? You can pull on any thread and it'll take you in a different direction. Darcy is, having a conversation with Darcy can be at times like riding a wild horse, right? Because he goes in all of the directions and will take them back which is what's even more amazing. So there's some people who wander and never return. And there's some people who just want to just take one path and stay on that path and march through it. And there's some people who like to like weave around and then wander back through. And that's a choice. I would say it's part of our operating system. We're all built a little differently in our preferences. And what I would say is, it benefits a business owner to be able to have range. Because I know there's people who would say, like, why are we having all this chit-chat in the meeting? Can we just get to the 
goddamn point. But if you say to people, look, I've been reading an HBR article about how teamwork is really improved through uh, intimacy and uh, connections. So I'm just going to use the first five minutes of our meetings from now on just for anybody to say anything that's on their mind, anything they read or, you know, a good joke or just how they're feeling, whatever. And people then go, oh, okay, so this BS is only going to be for the first five minutes. (laughs) Now I feel safe. Right. So this is context, right? Giving people the arc, like, and context and purpose. Okay, so it's only five minutes. I understand the purpose. And I can now adjust my expectations and lean into this casual, free-ranging conversation. Everything doesn't always have to be business, business, business. That's range. The ability to have a wandering, curious, divergent conversation means that you can live the quote that uh, I think Tony Robbins had a version of the, like, if you do what you have always done, you'll get what you have always gotten. Like, we all know that a great salesperson discovers unmet needs, surprise opportunities from a client and pushes past the, like, I need X. They're like, well, why do you need X? Like, tell me more. Like, who else is involved with the challenges around X? Like, what's the, you know, and really just noodling around that, the ability to follow and pull all those threads and then still be able to come back around and say, you know, I think there's a couple of ways that we can help you. That's the ability to play with the structure of conversations, the ability to wander and the ability to rein it back in. It's really crucial. And I think it's a skill that people can work on if they notice it. But not if they're just think, I know the way to do it, and there's only one way to do it. There isn't. There's a lot of ways to fly the plane. Right. In your book, you have a phrase. You say, we're trained to have boring conversation. Can you talk about that a little bit? Why do you think that? Yeah, well, so I think that was in reference to the story of the Zacks from one of my favorite Dr. Seuss stories of the, you know, there's the South going Zacks and the North going Zacks, or maybe it's the East and the West. Oh, geez, I need to read it again. There's like this creature who just like only goes East and he meets a creature that only goes West and they don't go North and they don't go South. And so they literally just go head to head and they never move. That's the whole story. It's hilarious. (laughs) A whole bypass gets built over them. And, you know, when you look at some of the like there's a few nonprofits around this, like the the National Conversations Project is one where you look at the way that our debate is so polarized in politics. We only have one way of operating, assertion, right? Here's what I want and need, and here's what I want and need, right? And you say whatever you want about politics and who you think actually is president. Spoiler alert, it's it's Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening along. But, you know, here's the thing. Some people are like, well, here's my evidence. Donald Trump is still president, right? And wow, it's hard to engage with that. Joe Biden has an old school perspective on politics, which is like, let's see what's possible. Let's suss it out. What do you want? What do I want? What do you need? Do we really want to get something done here or not? Are we here to get something done or are we here to not get something done? And that's a a real challenge. That's what I mean by trained to have a boring conversation. Like if we're just here to assert and not to listen, then nothing's going anywhere. Uh, If we're curious about what the other person's perspective is, if we're willing to be surprised, uh, if we're willing to hope for an unusual outcome, then 
something different can happen. But if you come in and say, they're just like that. Democrats are just like blank. Republicans are just like blank. You can't talk to a woman, right? There's some people who say like, you just can't talk to them. Insert a racial opinion that you shouldn't. It's like, oh my God, they never listen. You know, you can't talk to a, a blank person like that. Well, you can't if you have that attitude. That's pretty boring. That means you're not open to surprise. If you're not willing to expect something different, to at least attempt to design a conversation to get to a surprising outcome, I think there's very little hope of progress for humanity. Right. So two things that I've heard throughout this conversation in particular, it seems like clarity and curiosity Mm. are two real foundational things in terms of us having mm. productive and effective conversation. And is there something else that. There that I'm leaving out or would you- There's probably another something that begins with a C <laughs> that we should I should use for my next book. No, I mean clarity, curiosity, we could add another C context, right? Context, yeah, that's a good one, right? You know, the ability to with clarity help people understand the context, your purpose and your goals. I mean people talk about, you know, having a purpose and agenda for every meeting conversation, but the ability to communicate that purpose and also to realize that someone else might have their own purpose and their own context, it just means that you got to suss that out in the beginning and say like, here's what I want to get out of this conversation. This was important for me. What's important for you? And we did that in our, we had a pre-conversation where I was like, my my curiosity was like, what's going to be the most value and benefit to your your uh, listeners? And you said, well, here are some questions that I'm, I'm really hoping to get answered. And we're like, cool strap in, let's ride. And I think you have to do that kind of conversation about the conversation. The meta conversation is so important. And I learned this when I went to, um, I love talking about going to the Harvard Negotiation Institute because I love saying I went to Harvard. It makes me feel fancy. But I learned about it from one of my friends in, in one of my early podcast conversations. He said, you will definitely make this money back in your first <laughs> whatever, fill in the blank. Right. Spending a week negotiating with a bunch of lawyers was so eye-opening. And one of the things I learned is that very often we just get down to business, right? Let's get down to business instead of saying, what are we here to do, right? And how do we decide? Like, what's a good, well, how will we know that this was a good interaction? Even just taking that five minutes to say like, so here's why I've called you all here today. How does that sound? Is there anything that you'd like to add to that? No, that sounds good. Oh, wait, no, actually, I'd like to make sure we do blank. And you go, that's a good point. I don't know if we'll be able to have time for it. So if it's really important to you, let's do it first. Or can we schedule another meeting to unpack that? And that's just having a very quick negotiation about what is the thing, what's in and what's out. What are we going to talk about? What are we not going to talk about? And it's hard to do, Tyler. Like it doesn't, this stuff does not come for free. It requires a lot of emotional intelligence, the ability to slow down and taking a little bit of time to actually orient yourself before you even run into the meeting, which is hard because most people are in back-to-back meetings. Right. And there's just never enough time. But it is, it's fascinating though, as I listen to you talking about these things, it's like if we did these types of steps in terms of the clearness of our conversation, setting the agenda, what we have time for, what we don't have time for, that would just take away so much, I use the word friction in conversation because you just know where each party stands and what you're trying to accomplish and what you have time for. It's it's, uh, pretty cool. I mean, I was listening to the Conversation Factory, your podcast, and it was kind of funny. I, I don't know if you do it on every show, but basically, and I'm probably going to mess this up a little bit, but your point was 
when you brought up conversation, it's like everything, like everything revolves around <laughs> conversation, it does. which is kind of interesting when you think of it. I mean, it's obvious, but when you really kind of think of it that way, it's like, it literally is everything. It's all we do all day long in anything we do. Yeah. Hey, I got a couple fun questions I want to wrap up with. <laughs> yes, sir. Books. I love books and I always love to hear what guests are either downloading or reading. Mm-hmm. Can you recommend a book or something that you're reading or you have read that, that you could share with us? Well, I mean, there's like... Oh man, there's so many categories. It's like, because recently I, I sent a tweet where I was like, I am tired of reading business nonfiction right now. And does anybody have any mindless science fiction for me? Because <laughs> I need to just distract myself with something fun and lighthearted. And a friend of mine recommended uh, Akata Witch, which is like Mm. described as, I think, the Nigerian Harry Potter, affectionately. It's a huge, sprawling series. So, you know, if you don't want to get down a huge rabbit hole, beware. But I read the the first couple of chapters and I was like, okay, I can see this is going to be as entertaining and as magical as Harry Potter is. And sometimes you you just need that. Yeah. So I'll say... That uh, is great. And another book that I just started reading, oh man, I'm going to forget his name, but it's it's called A Culture of Excellence. And it's about a school teacher who teaches uh, other school teachers about feedback, which is a really wonderful, uh, I just did a podcast on uh, building a culture of critique in your organization, the ability to be open to give and receive feedback and have it be effective. And he has an amazing perspective because he's basically doing this with kids, teaching them how multiple drafts and clear feedback can help anybody get better at anything. It's so delightful. It's a very short little book. And it's really, it's coming, he's just got a big heart. And pretty much anybody could benefit from a better culture of, of feedback. Right. For themselves and for the people they work and live with. Yeah, that's a good one. I'll have to check that out. That's a important. That's another important topic. Oh, yeah. Just effective feedback and doing it in the right way, both yeah. giving and receiving. So, hey, one last question. In terms of like a business or a life tip, I'd love to know if you have something off the top of your head that you could share with us. We could apply and all become better people or business owners. I mean, this is maybe self-aggrandizing for you and for me, which is get a coach. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Nobody needs a coach, but but for some reason, Bill Gates thinks everyone should have a coach. <laughs> and when somebody sits down with me and they've got a big conversation coming up, whether it's with a, a big group of people that they want to move forward on a big challenge, or if they've got you know a conversation with a senior person that they want to like really think through all the ways the conversation might go, you need to have, everybody needs time and space to think. And I know it's really hard to carve that out because I have a hard time carving it out too. So get time to think no matter what. That's another interesting book, by the way, time to think. And you can coach yourself, you know, sit down as my, as my negotiation coach, my teacher at Harvard told me, it's like, sit down in your chair and then put a chair next to yours, say your problem, and then go sit in the next chair over (laughs) and look over at yourself and say, okay, from my perspective over here, this is what I would it's so hard to take that time to think, which is why paying someone to be with you is the, sometimes the only way to guarantee that you take that time to think. Literally the only way. So take the time to think no matter what, even if you have to pay for it yourself. Yeah. I don't want to turn this into a commercial, but I 
recently had a guest on and he was talking about blind spots and just yeah. the fact that, you know, sometimes we don't have the self-awareness to be able to see these things going on around us. I know, gosh, in my younger days as a manager, you know, I didn't frankly have the self-awareness to see some of my behavior. And I had a mentor to set, take me aside and, and made me, you know, it yeah. took a while for it to sink in because I'm hard headed. But once it did, <laughs> it was like, it was like this light in my eyes. So that's yeah. another thing I think sometimes from a coaching, I'm sure you have a big impact in this way. You help people see things they might not see. But I think most people don't, and you, you know this, like you're a business coach, right? Right. When I was writing my my second book, I worked with the writing coach. Yeah. Oh my God. It was so great to have somebody in the trenches with me in the middle arc of, you know, the darkness, the dark part. You know, I had a coaching coach when I started a couple of years ago wanting to make coaching a bigger part of my business. I got a coach for my coaching. <laughs> like how meta is that? Right. Right. You know, I have a men's group that helps me. That's like we're emotional coaches for each other. Right. You, Everybody needs, you think you need more than one coach. I hate to say this, but it's like, if there's something you really, really want to get good at and you want to improve, you have to invest time and money, either your own on yourself, but, and we all know how hard that is, or you can buy time with you or me to guarantee that you're going to focus on these super important questions. I think that's the most important and the most self-aggrandizing <laughs> thing I could also say is like, yeah, you, you can't, I, I would love to think that I could do this all on my own and I try all the time and then I hit a wall. So don't be dumb like me. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you though on uh, having coaches, even being a coach and having coaches because that's what's excelled myself over the last couple yeah. of years in particular, you know, selecting the right ones that can help you, but can really get you to where you want to go a lot faster. Hey, I'll put these in the show notes, theconversationfactory.com. Yes. You are an amazing interviewee and interviewer. So I would recommend some the audience listen to your show because I was listening, I've listened to a few, but I love the one by Grant Random. Ah, uh, it was yes. how to interview well. And I hope I didn't, you know, I hope I did a little bit of justice here. Yes. He's just, he's really fun to listen to. But I, what I really enjoyed about it was your ability and how you interviewed him. Like you just, it was very conversational. It didn't feel like you were even asking him questions, truthfully. It just kind of ebbed and flowed into this nice conversation. Mm. So it didn't hurt that we were drinking at the time, but. I, yeah. <laughs> His discussion about Marilyn Manson. Oh, man, I, he has know, stories. Yeah, yeah, he's got some good stories. So anyway, so theconversationfactory.com. I'll put those in the show notes. Is there anywhere else where you would like uh, people to reach out to you or get to know you in some way? I, the place where I share stuff the most often is LinkedIn. So feel free to follow me there. Okay. There's always good conversations going on. I, I love having those dialogues about all of these topics. Awesome. On the internet, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Okay. Well, hey, Daniel, thanks a lot. I know you're coming up against dinner uh, when we started out. <laughs> I don't ever get in the way of someone's dinner. I know how that goes. Yeah. But thanks for sharing your knowledge. I hope I can have you back again in the future. And uh, thanks again. Oh, it would be delightful. Thank you so much, Tyler. It's a real pleasure. Okay. Take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business.
Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric Acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. 